0: To the Flying Solo podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration, and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish.
1: Hello, all, and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. If you've yet to check out premium membership, Please do as there's a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a full page listing in our directory, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how to videos, a copy of our best selling book, and a whole lot more, all for just $99. Head to the join page to find out more. Now, I'm delighted to be speaking with Katie Clift, an Australian PR consultant currently living and working in Athens and we're going to look at whether journalists still exist and if so how on earth do we get their attention. So hello Katie, thank you for joining us. Athens, what's all that about? What took you there?
0: Well it's a very good question, it's a very common question that I get asked. Uh, My husband had an opportunity to transfer for for his job from Australia to Athens and we thought why Mm. not give it a go? Eat a lot of spanakopita, see the Acropolis. Um, so yes, now I'm living and working here in Athens. It's a fabulous place and um, very different to Australia, but very happy to be here.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. And so how long have you been there?
0: Uh, it's been nearly nine months, so still under a year mark, um, but just an incredible experience. And and I guess really blessed in this day and age to be able to, and you know, I know a lot of people listening would, would know this, to be able to take your business anywhere and work from anywhere. Mm. And what a great opportunity to experience a new culture, try and learn a new language, help us all. Greek's right. very difficult.
1: <laughs> well, that's wonderful. And, and, and clearly then you're managing to keep some of your clients in Australia and, and to grow your business internationally. So as you say, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? The fact that we can do that.
0: It really doesn't. You know, technology is an incredible thing and amazing to be speaking with you, and it feels like we're in the same room. It's it's mm. a phenomenal uh, experience so far, and I don't see it stopping soon, so I'll be eating, as I said, lots of spanakopita for some time to come, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very good. All right. So, look, let's get on with this. So, I know that you've had a, a heap of experience in the world of radio and journalism. You're a head of media for the Cancer Council. You're a regular contributor to Mumbrella and various other places. So, clearly, you know a thing or two about getting in front of journals. So, you know, where do we start with all this? How do our listeners, how do small businesses get cut through in this fast-changing world of publishing? What's the, what are the secrets?
0: You're absolutely right. It's such a fast-changing world, and I think that you hit the nail on the head in terms of asking that question right off the bat. Do journalists still exist, and then how mm. do we get their attention? You know, there's been a lot of debate over the past couple of years in Australia about the role of journalists. Um, we know that newsrooms are diminishing more and more, that media resources are getting slimmer, and that the face of media is changing, whether you're talking about broadcast online the face of print we all know that the size of newspapers indeed um, has yep. shrunk over many years even i've i've been in the industry just over a decade and i've seen significant change let alone well beyond that you know for decades and decades just how much we've seen things change and i would say yeah, that okay so look, i would say that no, you carry on, carry on. i would say that journalists still do exist i mean that would be my main hmm. Answer to your initial question, and it's understanding what in what form and how to best uh, harness that for small business.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. So yes, it's reassuring to know they do still exist. So you know, but as you say, the 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 sort of the face of journalism has changed so much. So how do we do this then? What's you know, is it? Will do you perhaps before we get into some kind of tangible steps. Is it uh, a better time to be in business to get a, a sort of some profile, or is it getting harder and harder? I mean, what, what's your thought there?
0: Goodness, I think in some in some ways it is getting more difficult because. Mm. Newsrooms are fast-paced. We're on a 24-7 news cycle. I know that, you know, here on the other side of the world, waking up and, and just seeing the news unfold so quickly. And the top stories of the day, chop and change so quickly. But there's a great opportunity. If you're willing in small business to make it as easy as possible for media to grab a hold of a good angle, to run a good story, if you know your content inside out, you have a phenomenal opportunity to, to gain mm. some coverage, and it excites me. I think it, it, in some ways it's getting harder, but a, a good challenge is a good thing.
1: Yeah, okay, and I guess, you know, and, and I think you've, you've, you've touched on a key point there clearly about this, um, you know, if we can give the journalists the angle, if we make it clear, I guess what we, what we do observe is that the journos that, that are working with these publications seem to be under a great deal more pressure. You know, their, their job is to get a certain number of stories, to get them out within a certain time. You know, it's, it's not the, the old image of somebody walking around with little notepads kind of hovering in the background, taking notes. It's, it kind of, that, that whole thing seems to have changed a fair bit. So is your starting point then that, that we absolutely need to be putting more work into our sort of initial approach? And if so, what are some, what are some things that we can be doing?
0: Yes, I would say it's definitely it's all about the pitch. And, in fact, you've got literally a matter of seconds probably when a journalist opens up their inbox, they scan through. If you're talking print or broadcast they would have hundreds and hundreds of submissions, emails that come in every single day. So you've got seconds to grab their attention. So you need great Mm. headline. It's all about how you position the content that you've got, getting their attention very quickly. And so I would say 80 to 90% of the work is in that pitch, how you approach it. And, you know, the majority of the time, it's just about getting them to look for a few seconds Mm. at what you've got to say, consider it. Otherwise, they move on so quick
1: yeah okay so it's <clears throat> it's been really snappy, really clear on why this story should interest you, so no none of this kind of padding it out beating around the bush we've got to get straight in there hit them yes, hit the them with the of, content
0: exactly the days of long winded pictures or really trying to uh you know convince a journalist about your story in in a long winded way are gone uh even with press releases, you know, it doesn't have to be difficult. People feel like they have to sit down and write paragraphs and paragraphs to justify or show why their their story or their angle is good content. I always say you need one page or or less if you can. So it needs to be stripped back, more simplistic, to the point, and I think a lot of small business owners would be very happy to hear that because a lot yeah. of us are time poor. And yeah, and I think...
1: Do you get the feeling that um, in some small businesses, I mean, you must see this, particularly people coming to you, you know, kind of asking you to basically create their pitch. Do you find that in small businesses, are we in danger of being sort of too close to our business? Are we failing to see what the angle is? Is that one of the biggest challenges for us?
0: Definitely, because in small business, you work day in, day out with your product, your services. You own what you, you have, and that's a great att- attribute to mm. a small business owner. But at the same time, being able to, and I, this is a part of my job that I love, is, is being able to expand out the, the mind of a small business owner to say, wow, you know, I didn't know that that part of my business or that part of my story, how I got set up, or that client testimonial, I didn't see that that would be interesting to to the media. So sometimes it's even... Just like a brainstorming session with yourself or yep. doing your own personal research or looking a little bit harder at the news and saying, how do I actually step back from my business and see it with a bird's eye view, see it from an audience perspective in a way that, that maybe I haven't seen it before that mm-hmm. might cut through in a different way for mm-hmm. me
1: Yeah. Look, and I guess that you know that's that's one of the biggest challenges, isn't it? Because we both know that not not every small business owner is going to use an external resource such as yourself to help them pull a pitch together. So, and a lot of our community are working by themselves. So, how do you do that? Well, I guess what you're saying is, you know, maybe you sit down with a buddy and you say, "Hey, look, I'm going to tell you some of the things that are going on in my business. You tell me what kind of piques your interest, because." It is very difficult when you're in your business to see the little gems, the pieces that really are um, likely to resonate with a journal.
0: Yes. And I have people constantly throughout my career, even now telling me, oh, why haven't you looked at that angle for a story I'm working on or the fact that, you know, even things like I've moved to Athens, you know, this thing's right in front of your face that you're like, wait, okay, you know, media might be interested in that. And we've just become so involved, I think, in in what we're doing day to day, particularly small business. You're looking at everything usually, or, or you know, you've got a hand in every part of the business. So, it's very easy to be blind to what could be a great opportunity. And and you can. There's so much that you can do with the resources that you have to get cut through. And it doesn't have to be time consuming in media or social media. You just have to be smart and know the audience that you're working to, to, to get some traction.
1: Yeah. Okay. And again, I guess a key thing there is having a good look at you know, is understanding the publication that you're pitching to and indeed the journalists you're pitching to is what are the kind of storylines that they look for? What are the angles that they look for? That can often contribute to us kind of getting the solution ourselves, wouldn't you say?
0: Absolutely. And there's, uh, you know, there's been a history of Of you know agency to company to individuals that just send out blank press releases to anyone and everyone that they know in the media, and that can be far too broad. So if you've got a couple of publications that you love, that you probably already read because they're related to your industry and your business, you know you can look up a little bit about the journalist, look at some of the angles they've run previously, and I always uh, give the advice to to build a relationship. You know, it's not just sending a cold call email Hmm. but it's not overly networking either you know because people are busy but it's being a a human it's being a person that a journalist can relate building that relationship and as you say knowing what they they want
1: Hmm. so look, let's look at that for a second so how do we build that relationship now clearly for you this is you know you live and breathe this this is what you've done for your whole career and it's what you do all day every day but for somebody who's not familiar with this where do we you know let's go right back to basically where do we start so there's a publication we want to be in there's the name of a journalist we want to start working with what do we do we don't loiter around outside their office i'm guessing so how do we start that relationship what do you think would be the first step that that we should take
0: i think online there's such a growing network that's genuine and organic between journalists and and people seeking coverage, so whether they're working in PR or, or small business. So I would start even on platforms like Twitter, start a conversation okay. of, you know, what might be interesting to the journalists that you're looking to build relationships with, even through to things like, uh, you know, I mentioned cold emailing or cold calling. I don't think that art is dead. I think it's wonderful mm. to hear from people who know you know who've done a little bit of research they know the the journalist that you are they know the types of articles that you you write they're not calling with no knowledge but they're calling you know with some content and substance and they've done their research and and they're seeking for for a genuine connection I think that's very key as well
1: yeah. Okay. So, so uh, that's interesting. So you're saying that, that the the cold email still has a role, but it does sound like the, the better way. And as you say, there are so many ways that we can start to kind of raise our head above the parapet a little bit. And you mention, you know, Twitter clearly way. but so it sounds like we've, we're better advised to kind of put our efforts uh, as kind of solid effort in a particular direction, rather than this the tendency that i've seen lots of small businesses do where they get hold of some media list from somewhere or other or they ask their va to comb through all the publications and get lots of emails and then bosh they just send an email out to you know 500 publications um far better by the sounds of it to really pinpoint it and really kind of almost be that amateur detective where we're sort of really looking at a particular publication or looking at a particular journalist and really understanding what makes them tick and then kind of sharing our thoughts and opinions via Twitter or email or or whatever is that that's kind of what you're saying I think.
0: Exactly yes and it's putting in that time Mm -hmm. and effort and it doesn't like like I said it doesn't have to be strenuous but you mentioned media list I just I cringe I still feel like I'm cringing on this end of the line because it that that won't uh, necessarily get cut through anymore I don't I don't really know if there was a time where that worked overly worked Everything. but it's all about about it did
1: <laughs> oh, No, I'm not sure that it ever did no no I'm I'm agreeing with you
0: It's all about relationship. It's all, I know that age old saying, it's not what you know, who you know, it's, but it's about infiltrating, like you mentioned, you know, it's about being in a space where the journalist sees you too. So sees you being active on those platforms, sees you as a leading commentator or, or someone who's very active in their industry and in the media related to their industry. And that coupled with building a relationship will just Enable your chances and your opportunities so much more.
1: Yeah. Okay. And um, you know, one thing I, I've noticed from my own experience is when I've done this sort of thing is um, occasionally it can be alarmingly successful um, <clears throat> to such an extent. I remember once um, getting in touch with a with a journalist who'd written a story about something, and I thought i had a different angle on it. And within twenty minutes, my phone rang, uh, and I was completely unprepared you know, I kind of whizzed off a a smart little note. um, And then suddenly, you know, next second, I'm potentially in a media interview. So what's your suggestion there with that? So how do we I mean, in many cases, it won't be quite as fast as that. But how should we prepare? You know, it's one thing to kind of write some smart words and put together a clever pitch. But then what should we then be doing? How should we be getting ready for a potential interview?
0: It's a really great question. And I would tap into, first of all, your network. So people that you know, whether they're in the same industry as you or not, that have done a few interviews, that have spoken to print, or broadcast journalists—they're very different fields. There's a lot you can research online about, you know, how to conduct yourself in a radio interview, how to conduct yourself in, in a TV interview. Of course, there's things like media training. But if if you're coming into this um, and you've never done anything like that before, and perhaps you. You don't have the the time or the resources to invest in that. You can do a lot of your own research. You can read mm-hmm. a lot about how other people conduct themselves. Look, we don't have to look very far, Robert, to see things like Cricket Australia and the commentary yes. around even how press conferences are handled. For example, it's a great case study that's in front of us because of this ever changing news cycle, um, and it's global. You don't just have to look in, in what's happening in Australia, but people and how they front the media from politicians through to crisis management through to just, you know, great stories that you might see on the six o'clock news. There's there's content and there's that knowledge everywhere. If you just kind of change your approach to the way that you, you view the news and the way that you read the paper, you start to pick up very quickly the way that you might conduct yourself or, you know, the, the do's and don'ts, I guess. And in small business, if you're pitching a good story, there's not huge risk, you know, that you're going to be fronted with crisis management. So it's a safe zone to, to give it a go as well.
1: Yeah, okay. And, and I think the, uh, I agree with everything you're saying. And I think it's the, the great thing about doing this kind of research, and as you say, you don't have to look terribly far. And if you start searching on YouTube or on Google, as you say, there are lots of resources that can help you gain a little bit of confidence and the thing is I think it's one of those things that once you've kind of done a little bit of background you feel so ready don't you your confidence rises and it's almost like it's an an inevitability that you're going to get some kind of media contact to some degree because you've just you've buried yourself in it you've immersed yourself in it so much do you find that with some of your clients are they coming to you and you can you can you sort of look at them and you think well you've got a great story but my gosh you're not ready yet or what, how how does that uh, from your perspective what what does it look like when when people approach you
0: yeah it's it's very different so it's depending on case by case i've got some that have been working with media for decades they know what they're doing um they're very uh, confident but on the flip side i think it's a great learning curve to watch people Really take on the media to learn, like you say, to grow in that confidence. After a couple of pitches, after your first interview, I think, I think, I think the first one is 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 obviously the hardest. You don't really know what's happening, and you know newsrooms are so quick, and sometimes it can feel like it was ten seconds. And did I really say what I meant to say? You know, yeah. and I think after that, just it snowballs, and people, as you say, pick up that confidence. But I think that you really can even start, I know this sounds, it sounds funny, but start in your living room, start in your car. You know, if you were, if you're driving along and you've got a few minutes to spare and you're thinking about how you would, you know, even communicate the story of your business or one of your key messages or key services, you want to get out to the public and and just try to start talking about it out loud and start putting it into words Um, you know, even that private, I I still do it myself. You know, to make sure that I'm I'm on point, I know what I'm talking about, and I'm strong in communication. So you can you can start today. You don't have to have an interview lined up. You can be working on this now.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Okay, so and when, let's imagine then that we've got someone kind of listening to this who's been maybe a little bit. Um, you know, kind of uh, not not terribly proactive in generating media, or maybe sitting there thinking, "Well, really, I'm just not sure it's for me." But let, let's 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 hope and pray that through you know through this discussion, people might start to look into it and think about doing a bit more, and and then get a taste of it. So, if you have got a business, then that is is starting to grow their confidence in this whole kind of media space is it, should it then be something, should we be on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis or an annual basis? How, how should we kind of maintain our relationship going forward with the media to ensure that we're really benefiting?
0: Yeah, I think consistency is really important. So you might feel like you don't have a lot of content to share, but as we've spoken about, you'd be very surprised. So I would aim for every couple of months to every month, depending on your time and and resources and how confident you are, you know, trying to find a story or an angle to, to get your business and yourself in the media. And we talked about it being organic. You know, this isn't, we're talking about PR, it's not paid advertising, paid marketing. This is about an organic story idea that would be of interest to readers of a newspaper, people listening on on the radio. So you've got big, uh, big days across the world: World Health Day, the International Day of Happiness. You know, big landmark days, for example, where you could tie in with your business a statement or, you know, a, a timely mm-hmm. piece of content to link in with big awareness days. You could look beyond a press release and decide that you want to put out an opinion piece or a letter to the editor if there's already some media about a topic that's related to your industry and you could jump on the back of that. So I would say consistency is key, but definitely at least every couple of months having a media piece out there because that's what builds trust with the audience too. They see you, they hear Mm. from you regularly, And they get to know you and your services through that.
1: Yeah, that's great. And also I'm sure that within the the kind of little black book that, um, that journos must keep or a version thereof, they want someone who's got something to say, and I guess even if if uh, you know if you're doing something every couple of months, even if only kind of one in ten bears any fruit, at least what you're doing each time is you're letting people know that you've got an opinion. I, I love that that thought about the these kind of national or international days. That's a great angle to kind of explore, isn't it? That's terrific.
0: Great angle. I mean, so you can Google. yeah, you can Google and find them.
1: <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And so are there are other other sort of. Um, what would you call them kind of markers like those those national or international days are there other things that we can kind of latch on to in the in a similar way do you think
0: well i think reactive media is a big one so we talked about the ever changing news cycle so there's likely that there would be reports or uh, a news i guess Surveys that are released from peak national bodies that might be in tune with your industry that you can jump on the back of. For example, you know they would release a national health survey for Australia, which looks at the population demographics, anything from healthy eating through to our uh, current state of disease, chronic disease, for example. Mm. You get report Mm. surveys on anything, and the media then would be looking for not just the authors of that survey and the data set to make comment but they need someone else to weigh in. So an, an expert in that field, for example, diet and nutrition or fitness, that could support what the data says or have an opinion about what the survey says. So that's a great, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, you that is. To come in And, you know, by default, you, you're getting your message out there off the back of a, a story that's already in the media.
1: Mm. What, just one point, you, and I'm going to, to, to wrap this up in a moment, but the, um, you mentioned their surveys. You, know, it, you don't have to go too far into any paper or magazine these days, you know, online or offline, to see some kind of poll or some kind of survey. And increasingly, it seems like so many of them are done with an incredibly small, in many cases, very small um, kind of respondent base. You know, it's almost like I can go out and talk to 10 customers and, and I've got the findings of a survey. But do you, what's your view of that? And can, can we in small business, can we be creating our own little polls and surveys to, to help pique interest?
0: Well, I think you can. I think it's a bit fun. You know, you could do even something like Easter. You know, you could say 10% of, of the, you know, the people that we surveyed ate too many Easter eggs. You know, the, the big right. thing with something like that is be transparent. <laughs> If you surveyed only 50, make sure you say that. Don't make it sound like the entire population. But I think things like that are fun. They're innovative and they're different. and, And that catches the attention of media.
1: Yeah, and they're good little stocking pillars, aren't they? And it seems that particularly online, media is often looking for little sound bites or snapshots. And that plays kind of perfectly into that sort of thing, doesn't it? Look, Katie, it's been so good having you here. Thank you very much. I I, I believe it's very early in the morning for you in Athens. So it's very uh, generous of you to join us. So where can we find out more about you?
0: You can head to my website, katiecliff.com, whole heap of information there. But thank you so much for having me. I I think I'll be awake for the rest of the morning now. I've just loved <laughs> chatting with you. And I hope that helpful right, you people listening too.
1: Thank you. So, that's Katie Clift, C-L-I-F-T, and uh, you'll find her in Athens and awake at all sorts of odd hours, it would seem. So, Katie, thank you again. And look, before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and prosperous business, Flying Solo gets you premium membership, has all the tips and tools you'll need for just $99. Head to the join page to learn more.
0: And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.